media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Proverbs. As I said before, every year we pick out a, a vision verse. We've been doing that for probably about seven years. And uh, in those seven years, we've looked at various forms of uh, challenges. Last year, uh, it was Philippians 4, 5. We were looking at let, uh, Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And we talked about the urgency of the day that we live in. And uh, the challenge was, through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, the instruction of God, be the most reasonable person in the room. And I can remember last January getting a lot of emails, a lot of texts, and a lot of people, okay, today I was the most reasonable person in the room. It was so hard. <laughs> and yet you, you accepted that challenge. And so sometimes we just need to have kind of like this goal before us, this target kind of pointing of our minds and our intention so that we can just desire the holiness of God, and we can desire the things of God. And so that's why we do a vision verse. If you're just wondering why, why do we do a vision verse? It's to instruct us in living holy lives and uh, showing the redemption that God has put into our hearts and lives. And this year, as I was looking and through, I was kind of torn between several different ones and settled on Proverbs 18.21. And I can tell you that just in sermon prep, uh, it's already been probably one of the most challenging. Proverbs 18.21 is very simple in some ways. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. In a few short words, God tells us so much about the gift of words, the power of words, and the revealing nature of words. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to look at this passage. We're going to look at the foundation of it this morning, and then we're going to look at some of the application of it next week. What are words of life? What are words of death? But if we don't get the proper foundation, if we don't see that, then, then all it's going to be is just a moral exercise, guys. And the last thing, if you with me, you know that the last thing that we need is just a moral exercise, okay? Does this have a sense of morality to it? You better believe it. Does it have a sense of practical nature to it? Yes. Is there an intellectual component to this wisdom that we find in Proverbs? Yes. And yet at the base of it is instruction for God living. Righteous living. It's a subject that is addressed in the book of Proverbs. And some would say that it's the most addressed subject in the book of Proverbs. I've never counted it out because some of the Proverbs, you know, is that talking about speak? Is it talking about, you know, when it talks about the tongue, when it talks about this? But I can tell you that it's at least in the top three or four. Now, why would that be? Ask yourself this morning. Why would somebody who's talking about wisdom, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, wise living, righteous living, godliness, why would they be so concerned about our words, about this thing that we call our mouth, the things that come out of our lips? As we'll see both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both in the instruction in Proverbs this morning, but also in other instructions through James and, and through the words of our Savior Jesus Christ, words reflect something that's within. We're not just walking the sources, putting out different words. Words reflect something. In Christ it reflects the very nature within us. This is found in the book of Proverbs. It's one of the wisdom books. And so 
There's a part of this that you would say, okay, you'd be wise to live by these commands and by these instructions. And we would be wise to do that. In fact, you're going to find verses like this in Proverbs. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Amen? <laughs> Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And what we're going to see is this apply to the words that we speak, but also the words that we write, guys. We live in a day that really is unique if you look at just all of humanity and that we have instant access through social media you, you can applaud, you can degrade, you, you can do all, you know, you can have a lot of different feelings about social media, okay? But, but basically, guys, it's a tool, and it's a tool that can be used for good and the furtherance of the gospel, and it's a tool that can be destructive in our lives. It by itself, social media doesn't have a nature to it. It's a tool. It's how we use it that becomes either destructive or something that can take the word of God to the ends of the earth. And yet, because we live in this day and age of social media, it's not just the spoken word in the room when I talk to my wife, when I preach to you on a Sunday morning, when we have conversation at school or at work, all of a sudden, now my words have been extended and they are truly kind of all over the world in an instant. For example, Proverbs 15.1. That, that verse, Proverbs, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How, does that apply to social media? Let's just, you know, since we're talking about that. Because I want to expand your mind to just the things that you say, but the words that you use even as you write. Have you seen that proverb come true? Have you ever been part of a thread where somebody said something? I mean, it can be about a football team. And, you know, the way that Georgia beat this other team that it played. And all of a sudden, you can see the two lines opposing one of the FSU fans saying, that was just disgusting that they would run up the score. All the Georgia fans going, you know, here's why we played this game and the way that we did. And all of a sudden, instead of a soft answer, words get a little bit harder and a little bit heated and all this, and people don't back down. It's the words that we speak. I would challenge the words that we write because of the day and age that we live in. On one side, this verse, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's a very practical nature. Because it is in Proverbs, there's a, there's a very, if you want to say intellectual, wisdom component of here. But along with its practical nature, and along with this component of wisdom, I want you to know that it is grounded in the moral nature of it, the spiritual nature of it. One of the discipleship groups, one of the men's discipleship groups, we've begun a new study uh, just last week, uh, the wisdom of God. And and I love how we started last week with J.I. Packer, and he says, God only wise, or God always wise. And he's talking about God's never been unwise. Can you imagine that? that there's never been an unwise decision that God has made. And we're studying about the wisdom of God so that we can be men of wisdom in our own lives. And and here, I want you to know that this wisdom that is talking about, the wisdom in Proverbs, and especially the use of our words, 
It's not just practical nature. Ah, here comes my balls. I better say something nice. I would encourage you in a practical sense, if your boss comes down, say something nice. We're getting more into what does that look like in everyday life next week. But but for this morning, I want you to know there is this practical. We're not ignoring that. There is a wisdom part as far as just, if you want to say intellectual, being wise. But this is grounded, folks, in the spiritual. This is grounded in where we are with Christ. Are we in Christ? Are we not in Christ? If we are in Christ, how are we reflecting Christ in our daily life? And that's really the challenge here. See, if you look through the book of Proverbs and and some of the other wisdom books, you're going to find that they use these two words, wisdom and folly, a lot. And wisdom stands for godliness, reflection of righteousness. And the word folly, we don't use that. I mean, how many of you used the word folly last week? Nah. We may use foolishness or something like that, a version of it. But folly in the Bible, when it talks about folly, it's talking about wickedness. I mean, you go to like Psalms 1-1 and it talks about the way that we're going to live our life. Folks, it is it's like a black and white divide. It's not like this gray area in the middle. And one of the things I would love for us to be able to see this morning is that when we speak words, if we really kind of understand this, the, the Bible says, man, they're going to go in one folder or the other. There's not a lot of gray neutral words that you use. Uh, the elders, I was talking to a couple of them this morning. I was like, you know, yes, well, let's not be ridiculous. If I ask Carly, hey, do you want rice crispies or fruit loops? You know, that, that's, okay. if she picks fruit loops, then that's, of course, words of life. When we really begin to look at our speech and we say, okay, where does this fit? Did I just speak words of life? Or death. And we're that purposeful. Folks, I know somebody, we've already had the discussion this morning with one other guy, you know, that somebody's going, oh, that's legalism, legal. I'm free from the legalism. No, it's the call of Christ in our lives, guys. Please don't confuse legalism and us living out moral commands with a redemptive reflection of Christ in the growing Christian's life. If Christ, if I'm mature in Christ, I'm going to look more and more like him. And it is going to have a sense of morality to that. My morality doesn't make me closer to Christ. I'm as finished as I can get theologically. But practically speaking, until God calls me home, I understand the New Testament. The call upon my life as a Christian is to look more and more, act more and more, to have the mind, as Paul would say in Philippians Chapter 2, have more and more the mind of Christ. And certainly that's going to be reflected in the words that I use. Godliness, wickedness. Makes it a little bit more exact instead of just nice words and, well, that wasn't very nice. Look at the example of Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Is there a practical nature to that? Absolutely. Is there an intellectual wisdom as far as, oh, that's wise. Is there that nature of that? But ask yourself this morning, is there a spiritual nature to that? And when we begin to see the spiritual nature, folks, that's when we get into taking it really seriously. 
That's why I believe that the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God in the life of the Christian, that all of a sudden we take serious the things that God takes serious. And we see even the use of our words, not as a form of legalism, not, not just a sense of morality in the sense of do nice moral things, but we see a sense of godliness and righteousness as opposed to wickedness that can happen in our lives. Proverbs 18.21 again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Just the first three words, death and life, reflect a moral nature. Not just an intellectual nature. Not just a practical nature. We're not denying that. We're just making much of what God has made much of. So do you have that part? Because if we don't have that foundation to build upon, then we are, in a sense, kind of maybe leaning toward a little bit of legalism. We're, we're leaning toward a little bit of this. If we don't see the nature that we're building upon, that God built this upon, this call to, to our lives, then folks, then it can be just an intellectual thing. It can be just a practical thing. It's a matter of the heart. And that's where the real distinction of the how we will use our words in this new year, 2024. Our words have, do they have the nature of godliness or do they have the nature of wickedness? How many of you grew up with that old children's lie? And I will call it a lie. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Did you ever hear that? Did you ever say that? Did you ever try to console your child with that? Mom, that's not true. And they are actually right. I know what we were trying to achieve. That, hey, you know, it's just words. Well, never are you going to find the Bible, a verse that says, well, they're just words. A lot of hurt can happen through words. He, he reduces it down. Words have life or they, they have death. You're, you're going to put your words in one of these folders. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's just not true. It's not biblical, guys. And we have a responsibility to, to live biblically. So we begin to see that that's folly. I would even say that that's wickedness when we would kind of believe, you know, it's some fable like that. I, I know what we mean, but let's be biblical. Because the minute that we reduce the power of words... I think we can get really lazy with words. And one of the things that we see in the word of God is that words have great power. Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light. And guess what happened, guys? There was light. He spoke. Did he have to speak, speak for there to be light? He could have snapped his fingers. He could have done this. And I realized everybody, he's spirit. I didn't realize that when I said snap the fingers, well, you know, he's spirit. He doesn't have a body. Go with me, okay? Could he have done it another way than spoke the words, let there be light? Sure he could have. And you know what we begin to see in the very beginning of, of the word of God is that God spoke something and the power that it happened. And he continues to speak things. There's power in words. Well, words are a gift that God has only given to uh, here on earth, to humans. 
Angels can speak, but the, uh, different creation there. But as far as human, uh, uh, earthly creation, uh, that doesn't mean that whales cannot communicate one to another, that uh, monkeys can't communicate one to another, that dogs can't communicate to one another. And I realize the minute I say that we're the only ones that have words, that a lot of dog owners right now, well, my, I think my dog really can talk. You know, I, I realize the relationship that you have with your dogs and you love them. And that somehow they're sending you messages that almost seem like words, okay? But putting that aside, we're the only ones that have this expression. Not of communication. Again, we just said wells can communicate. The animal kingdom can communicate on a certain level, but not with words. Words give expression. So words not only have power, but there's depth to words. We're the ones that can communicate not just the love, not just the appreciation, but a kind of love. The kind of love that says, okay, I want you to be my wife, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Those are words that have power, and they have depth. You tracking with me on that? I mean, does this make sense, guys? That the foundation is a spiritual nature, not just a not just a practical nature, not just a, a wisdom for wisdom's sake, but these are spiritual reflections, spiritual instructions, and they have power and they have depth. They go deep. That has given us the ability to use words to express the deepest of emotions, the greatest of joys, the deepest of sorrows. And so they have power, they have depth, and they carry weight. That's why in the New Testament, when James, who who kind of wrote the longest uh, expansive part on the tongue and the importance of uh, for Christians to reflect godliness in their speech, he, he makes three comparisons to the tongue. Because in one way, how big is your tongue in comparison to the rest of your body? It's very small. And James goes along with that, not just in a proportional way as far as body size, but he goes in that way as far as the power that the tongue has, the depth that it carries, even though it's very small. And so this is what James says, James 3, 3 through 5. He said, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Anybody grow up on a farm? Any horse farmers? Or, you know, you've been around horses? You, you love horses? You put that bit in the mouth, the bit's pretty small in comparison to the size of the horse. But you control that horse, this massive beast, by this little bit that's in the mouth. It can go left, right? It can go forward. It, it can, you know, it tells it what to do. It's a tool that's there. And James makes the comparison because that would have made sense to them. Hey, this little bit, it does control the horse. Verse four, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Is he calling speech inherently bad or inherently, you know, good? I mean, he says it's a tool. That little rudder, if I want to go west, I, I point the rudder in a position where it will take me west. If I want to go east, I go east. It's a tool. He says the bit in the horse. And he begins to expand and he says, okay, even though these ships, how big they were, and back in those days, they weren't very big. Have you seen the new, Carly and I like cruises. I mean, who doesn't like 
cruises. But for the most part, we like cruises. And have you seen this new one? I, I forget what it's called now. Oasis, I think? Icon of the Sea. Icon. There you go. I knew Tracy would know. Okay, thank you, Tracy. Icon of the Seas. The thing would be like, what, a thousand of these of our church, if not 2,000? It's huge, guys. They have pictures of it, and it's now on its way for its first departure. They were showing it in a, in a dock the other day, and it's getting, getting all formed out in the middle. And when they take pictures of it, the people look like they're about this size on this massive, massive ship. What does James say? A massive ship that will hold thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Uh, the rudder directs the way it's going. He said, that's your tongue. Can you be in a room of a thousand people and you direct somewhat the nature of the room by this little tongue? I promise you, you can do that in your living room. I promise you can do that in the schoolroom. Many of you are teachers. I promise you can do that in a church. That this little instrument, this little tool that God has given to humanity as a gift to us, to distinguish us from from the rest of creation here on earth. He said, okay, this is a tool and it can bring life or it can bring death and it can change things even though it's small and you may be one voice in a thousand. It can change the direction of that entire room. As a husband, I wonder how many times I truly have changed the entire room of my house because I brought the burden of work home. And the minute I entered that home, I just let that burden go. And it changed the entirety of that house. Two girls playing, mom fixing supper and something that I really like. And so she's excited about it. And, and I come in and I change the temperature of the room by words. Does it have to be a lot of words? No. There's power to these words. There's depth to these words. It's small. Look at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Wow. Have you ever had that moment when the minute you said something, it was like, oh my goodness, I wish I would not have said that. Last week. Did you have that moment when you said something, you're going, oh my goodness. And all of a sudden you go, man, I just put a spark, I just put a flame out there. And all of a sudden you know, this is going to cause an inferno. It's got power, it's got depth, it's a gift. And it's small, but it's not small in the influence that it has. Let that sink in this morning. A second component of the true, of this truth that we find in our vision verse for 2024, is that it reveals something that's within us. Even though it's the tongue and it has this function, it reveals, by the words of Christ, the nature within us. And that's really what it's getting here in Proverbs because it's the spiritual component that it can bring life or it can bring death. Remember, wisdom equals godliness throughout the book of Proverbs. And and folly, foolishness, oftentimes represents wickedness. 
So really deep theological question for you, and I'm serious this morning. Can a Christian, somebody truly has been totally redeemed by the finished work of Christ, can a Christian still speak words of folly? Yes. I mean, go read Romans 6 and 7, guys. Paul repeatedly, ah, the things I want to do, I don't do. Things I don't want to do, I end up doing. What is this within me? And he identifies this as the old sin nature. Do you think Paul just as easily could have said and that it would have worked? The things I want to say, I don't say. And the things I don't want to say, I end up saying. Do you think that would fit into the context of that? I think it would. Christians can still speak words of folly. That here I am 100% saved by the finished work of Christ. And yet I can bring death to my marriage. I can bring death to my children. I can bring death to a church. I can bring death to any place that I have any ability to speak. So while there is some sort of a, a salvation element here, most of it is a sanctification Element. When we look at this, well, what are we talking about here? Is this a matter of salvation? Not really. It's a matter of sanctification. How are we going to live out this Christian life knowing that I still have this old flesh that dwells within me and so I need the Word of God to instruct me and I need the Spirit of God to empower me. Does that make sense? If you're a Christian here this morning, that's your need also. Because you're still contending with this old man. This old nature that died but resurrects itself, especially in our speech, when we get irritated or frustrated. Anybody ever remember? I don't want to bring up really bad memories, but remember chemistry class? class. Remember litmus paper? You, you had a liquid, you had this little piece of paper. And it was like white. And you'd put it down in there. And if it turned pink or reddish, what did that reflect? Acid. Who just said that? You get an A for the day, okay? You remembered something from chemistry from the ninth grade. Okay. If it turned blue, what did that show? Alkaline. Very good. BK. Way to go, man. Scholar right here in our midst. <laughs> a piece of paper dipped into a liquid and all of a sudden it, it revealed something. This is acidic. This is alkaline. This, this is somewhere on this range between this and that and the little piece of paper dipped into this liquid would reveal the nature of that liquid. God says that's what our words do. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. He was talking more of a salvation passage there. I want to make sure that we keep that in a, in a proper perspective and that we uh, try to interpret the, the word of God uh, in context. He's talking about the fruit of a tree. But, but the principle was there. That out of our words reflect what's in the heart. Would, would you agree with that this morning? On a practical level, would you agree? 
On the intellectual level, wisdom level, would you agree? On a spiritual level, would you agree? So for us as followers of Christ, this is a matter of maturity in Christ, a reflection of the Spirit's control in our lives. And our call as followers of Christ is to speak life. I think that's one of the truths that oftentimes we're, we're not always taught. But most times when we see a, a command, a call, in the Bible, especially if it's a command, we can deal with thou shalt not. But but notice here, there's not a thou shalt not. It says, okay, your words are going to reflect what? Life or death. What one or the other. It's either going to bring kind of growing things or it's going to cause things to die. And so we begin to reflect upon that and we begin to see that it's not just saying, don't say bad things. That would be a whole different verse, a whole different command. Remember what grandma used to say? If you can't say something good, don't say nothing at all. Is that wisdom? Practical wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. To a degree, it covers half of it. Don't speak words that bring death. But is that what the verse says? No, it says words can bring life or death. And one of the great things that God has given us the ability to do, guys, is to share. You know, the Bible says, Paul says, uh, that now we are in the ministry of reconciliation. So we speak the words of reconciliation. We, we speak the hope of the gospel. Does that mean that I go home to Carly every day and go, okay, in the beginning, this is what happened, Adam and Eve, and so every day we're just reviewing the gospel. And one way it is, because the gospel allows us to see our sinfulness and our need for a Savior and the sufficiency of Christ. So that's a good, broad explanation of the gospel. But as I live the gospel out, God has called me to actually not just stop saying things that bring death, but to speak life. Please hear this this morning, guys. This is not a call to silence. It's a call to discretion. Oh, how we need discretion in our day and age. I would be challenged that we live in a day and age that discretion is used, is needed more now than ever before because we have more opportunity to write something really quick, anonymously, that will travel the world through the internet and we don't have to own up to it, we don't have to do anything, and yet it can bring death to somebody. And yet we also have the opportunity, guys, like never before to share the hope of the gospel into worlds that before never got the exposure of a missionary right there, and yet we have the opportunity. I mean, my daughter came back from Africa and she said, you know, I said, what are some of the things that, that you, you saw there after a couple of weeks there on a mission trip? And she said, number one, they have more Jesus than we're ever going to have. They're more dependent on Jesus than we ever are. The other thing is everybody had a cell phone. The poorest people had a cell phone. It's kind of one of those things that just kind of blew her mind. It means they're connected. And if they're connected, guess what? They can be connected to words of death or what? Words of life. Just downloaded the, the latest version of the ESV app. It's really cool. It's always been one of my favorite ones. I love, love that version of the Bible. But now they have these masterful voices 
that are reading the scripture. And so you can just put it on there in your car. And for the next 20 minutes, you can listen to, you know, this person or that person read the scripture. And it's just a wonderful way to surround yourself with scripture. Non-existent. 35 years ago even. Unless you wanted to remember hearing the cassette. Anybody ever carry the cassette player in your car because your car did not have a cassette player? Remember that? Yeah. Got my tracks right here. <laughs> are some of you that are as old as I remember eight tracks? Popped it in. Then you had to flip it over. Man, one little phone, one little device, guys. Words of life, but also words of death. It's a tool. And the instruction of our Lord is that, that now we reflect Christ. That we are the givers of the, the, the words of life. We're not the giver of life. We can reflect that in the words that we use. This week, you have the ability, church. You have the ability, moms and dads. You have the ability, husbands and wives. You have the ability, students, this week, to speak words of death, to speak words of life. When you go into the band room, when you go into the science room, when you go into the lunch room, when you go into this place or that place, Understand, you have the ability to speak words of life or words of death. When you enter that home after the end of a long day, you have words that can either respect death or life as you go to your family. I, I believe biblically my first responsibility, you can argue with this, that's fine argue with the order that I, that I have here. I'll back up the first two, scripturally, the other two, interpretively. My speaking words of death and life begin with my spouse. It's the highest relationship that God has called me to. Not the church, not even to my children as much as I love my children. My highest call is husband and wife, biblically. So we start there, guys and gals. We start there. This week, we will speak words of life or death to our spouse if you're married. If you're a parent and you have children, I I believe that's the second responsibility. It starts to, to flow down biblically as we begin to say, okay, now I can speak words of life and death into my children. And that's not just sharing Bible verses. It is that. But it's biblical truth. It is encouragement. But it's a different encouragement than the day and age. Okay, everybody gets a trophy. And I'm not trying to be silly there. I'm, I'm just saying it's sincere. One of the things that we're going to look at next week is the sincerity of our words, not just flattery. Do you know that actually flattery biblically is wrong when it's not based on truth? When it has a, a, a different motive? You tell your boss, man, you've been working out? Yeah, I have been working out. And if the only motive is to get that open position the next level up, the Bible would say that's actually wrong. Speak words of life or words of death. Start with your spouse if you're married. If you're a parent, you speak words of life. Secondly, to children. Children, you speak words of life to your family and to those that are around you. Then work in school and then the world. I believe the church plays a part in there. We are to be a place 
Uh, Ephesians, look at Ephesians, just one of many places. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Would that include the church, your brothers and sisters that gather here this morning? I don't know about you, but I need your encouragement. And I pray that I can give encouragement to you. That doesn't mean that when we're in discipleship, that we don't use words that, hey man, you need to kind of get this right. You know, if you're, if you're doing this and this is wrong, that, that we don't, you know, have accountability. But accountability is speaking truth and love. And so it is words of life because this is bringing death. Don't go another step down that path, brother. Go this way. It's words of life. Does that make sense, guys? Hard words are hard to hear. But if we're in accountable relationships and loving relationships around us, then also when my brother comes up to me and says, Bobby, you've got an attitude lately, or you've got this, I see this in your life, I'm, I promise you, my first reaction, I promise you, my first reaction, well, you're, you're not so great yourself. But if I trust that brother and we have an accountable relationship, I can hear those words. And even though it seems words of death, it's death to my pride. It's death to myself. And it's life to the very spirit of God living within me. Does that make sense, guys? Can you grab hold of that this morning? That this isn't just a southern gentleness. This isn't just, well, bless their heart. This isn't just saying nice things. It's speaking truth and love, but it's speaking life. Instead of death. This week, guys. This week. Two folders. Men, if you're married, first and foremost, to your wives, what folder do you want to fill up this week? Wives, to your husbands. What folder will you place your words? If your parents this week, dealing with the frustrations of, I can go down the list, of just different things that happen in everyday life. I mean, they're practical guys. Have you ever noticed that there seems to be a direct correlation of your bad day at work with the behavior of children at night? Have you ever noticed that there's a, man, the worst days I have at work are when the kids are really just kind of out of bounds. There's a practical nature of this, but guys, there's a spiritual nature. That's the foundation of this. And so this week, we get to choose our words. And if that means being silent for a moment, be silent for a moment. But speak words of life into your kids, your coworkers, your, your school friends. You're church people. This is why we're a body. This is why we're a family. And this is the call of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. How convicting this is, Father, to me this morning. That I've learned the art, Father, of saying the pastoral thing at the right moment, at the right time. And yet, then go home and be frustrated with my wife. And speak without carefulness and purpose. 
to bring to her words of life. Father, Father, help us not to see this as perfecting the art of saying the right thing at the right time so that we can get the right situation that we want. Father, will you convict us this morning of the grand truth that you have placed in your word, the instruction of your word, that you've given us a gift, and this gift is words and communication. And that there's power in these words, there's weight in these words, there's depth in these words. And that, Father, this next week, controlled by your very spirit, controlled by your word, Father, we can speak words of life. Or, Father, without those, we can speak words that bring destruction and green leaves begin to wither and dry. Father, we love you. We need this. Father, we live in a day and age where we need this perhaps more than ever to see the biblical truth of the power of words. So, Father, convict us. Call us to the, to the cross, Father. Thank you that you have redeemed us in Christ. And my bad use of words is not going to keep me out of heaven because Christ is the one that put me there. At the same time, Father, helping me to realize not to take a laziness, but that I will give an account one day, you said, for every word that I've spoken. Call us to holiness and righteousness and reflect the words of Christ. Even this week, Father, as we pray all of these things, and the one that made it possible, Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.